Hello and welcome to the OMG's podcast. On today's episode, the Emperor's New Groove Awards Ceremony. the omgs i am math and i am mike and we are here to get down to some groovy business here with the emperor's new groove award ceremony i'm hyped how are you i i am as well hyped i mean again we've we've talked about the movie i feel pretty in depth uh, of about our overall feelings about the movie we've kind of hit upon some of the key scenes but now is where we get to be able to get into the nitty-gritty and really think about what is the winner for all of these categories right when we talk about our bracket what is going to be the nominees for what goes up against castaway so yeah i'm real excited yeah, and uh, and this is where you know true debates are had. We have again no <laughs> um, deliberations before this episode as to which scenes, which posterizers, and whatnot are gonna uh, win for for new groove. So we're getting into this for the first time, uh, and you can listen to it live. But before we get into the award ceremony, it's time for some ads. Today's award ceremony is brought to you by Ink and Eddie's Trampoline Emporium. With free delivery and setup, you can't go wrong. And remember, with Ink and Eddie's, you always get the most bounce for your buck. Also brought to you by Isma's Vials. Tired of paying out the wazoo for your vial needs? Choose from our wide selection, from Easy Shatter for your basic potions, to our indestructible model. For those potions you just can't live without. And now, on to the ceremony. Our first category of the evening is Sizzle Reel. And your candidates are... Opening Song Slash Perfect World. Okay, see this palace? Everyone in it is at my command. Check this out. Butler? Chef? Theme song guy. Oh yeah! He's the sovereign of the nation. He's the hippest cat in creation. He's the alpha, the omega, A to Z. The potion dinner. Hey, Croc, can you top me off, pal? Be a friend. <laughs> now about you finding your work. That's that's gonna be tough. More broccoli. Because you're. Let's face it, you're no spring chicken. And I mean that in the best possible way. What? A llama? He's supposed to be dead! Yeah, weird. The diner scene. Becca! Crunk! What are you doing? Kinda busy here. Why am I not surprised? The order's up! Oh! Oh well. While you're at it, make me the special. And hold the gravy. Jack, back up. You know what? On second thought, make my omelet a meat pie. Meat pie, Jack. Um, can I order the potatoes as a side dish? I'll have to charge you full price. 
Hey, how about a side of potatoes, my buddy? You got it. One cheese on those potatoes. Thank you, Kronk. Cheddar will be fine. Cheddar spuds coming up. Spuds, yes. Cheese, no. Hold the cheese. No, I want the cheese. Cheese it is. Cheese me no likey. Cheese out. Cheese in. Oh, come on. Make up your mind. Okay, okay. On second thought, make, make my, my potatoes, potatoes a salad. Kronk turns on Yzma. Kronk! Why did I think you could do this? This one simple thing. It's like I'm talking to a monkey. Oh, no. A really, really big, stupid monkey named Kronk. Ouch. And do you want to know something else? I've never liked your spinach puffs. <gasps> never! <laughs> That's it. She's going down. Now, now, remember, guys. From above, the wicked shall receive their just reward. All right. Well, I mean, quite a list of candidates for the sizzle wheel for us to talk to. And I think before we get into the individual scenes, I think it is important to note that while we do everything that we can to be as democratic and find amiable solutions between the two of us, there's going to be times where we just have disagreements that we cannot talk each other out of. And so it's important to know that right now I am in possession of the possession arrow. So if we do end in a tie, I do have the official tiebreaker. So controversial. I think <laughs> not controversial. You, well, I mean, you in terms it? of the implementation, controversial. <laughs> I'm not sure if it's definitely yours at this moment because I've used it, but mm -hmm. it is, it's a hefty power. I mean, this is one oh. that, yeah, I mean, I'm sure you're going to relinquish eventually, but to the holder of the possession arrow go much of the spoils in these conversations. So if you're not getting the way, uh, if you're not getting your way, it's a, it's a way of muscling in, making sure mm -hmm. your opinion is heard and is, and is spoken for. So yeah. we'll see how it plays out. But like you mentioned, we're hoping not to get there. I mean, our, 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 our goal and objective mm -hmm. is to find a indisputable, winner for each of these awards and when that's not possible the gloves come off haymakers are thrown and we'll see where the yeah. where the bodies land yeah honestly you know if if the possession arrow has to be used it's probably not a great sign right i mean unless there's just two scenes that are so good that we like we are just diametrically opposed we can't convince each other most of the time i think ties are going to be because neither one of us feels too strongly about something so that it honestly might be, be kind of a negative thing if the possession arrow has to be used i don't know if it's going to be used here for this sizzle reel but with four candidates it you know there is quite a quite a bit to choose from yeah, and 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 just to bring not to rehash scary movie yet again, but <laughs> the possession arrow was used in that award ceremony for the scissor reel, and and that ended up losing against mm. its its opponent, Oh Brother Art, down in that category. Spoiler: so In this case, that that was a sign that maybe the the possession arrow overruling power might just mean that it's a vulnerable category for the movie. But that's that's besides the point. Now we don't know if we're going to use it. Uh, it's on to our, de our deliberation of the scissor reel nominees, of which we have four. I'll, I'll hand the floor over to you, Mike. Give me your initial thoughts on some of these scenes and, and really what are you using as your, as your metric for determining which is best? Yeah, yeah. I think for me, when it comes to sizzle reel, right, the idea of this is what is a scene that you're going to show someone to kind of get them excited about the movie? Or if you haven't seen the movie in a while, what's the scene that you want to revisit, right? So it could be because it's really fun. It could be because it's entertaining. Maybe it has some emotional heft to it, right? But the idea is in a quick two to three minute clip or scene, 
are you getting what this movie is trying to do, right? What is the big thing? And so I think in my view, when I li- when I go through these four scenes and we t- we're going to talk about them, I think there's a clear cut number uh, two. I think there's a clear cut top two and a clear cut bottom two. Um, and I think before I really want to give my thoughts on where I would put my top two, I think it's important just to let's let's get rid of a little bit of the chaff. So I'm going to share with you what I think is the number four. We'll see if we're in agreement and see if we can't just whittle one away before we get to the really good ones. So for me, sure. the the number four from this list is Kronk turning. Uh, I mean, I don't have that as number four, but we, we can talk about that scene a little bit. Um, it fits with the narrative of it's the best characters interacting with each other is where mm-hmm. the movie performs at its best. So it's got a lot of the right equations of a high-end sizzle reel nominee. Mm-hmm. And you got humor, from the angel and the demon popping up on the shoulder. Great internal monologue from Kronk. You get the, the, the turn from being a heel to being a good guy. And it, it, it means something to the movie, which is something I bring up a lot when I'm judging a scissor reel is, mm-hmm. is it plot relevant and does it highlight what the movie does best? And for those reasons, I don't have it at four, but I do have it at three. So I, I think okay. we are probably, thinking similarly on which two scenes are a little bit above uh, the other two scenes that are being nominated. But what I have is number four and we can get your opinions on both of these scenes. What I have is number four is the restaurant scene, the, sure. the in and out of the, of the restaurant uh, cook area with Kronk serving meals to, to Kuzma and, uh, and Isma. And it, for a lot of reasons I've already talked about in the review, there's some problematic parts to the scene that it just, I can't get out of my head when I'm looking, when I'm watching the scene, uh, it's just too close to the cross dressing element, to the no llamas allowed mm. element, which have already been fouled. <laughs> um, and it, to me, it's just not plot relevant enough. Not really a lot's happening other than the comedic bit of them changing their order over and over again and, and Kronk cooking in this kitchen. Mm. Um, but yeah, those are the two scenes I have at the, as my bottom two. Let's get your takes on them. Yeah, yeah, no, I I agree, and yeah, we have uh, basically we just flip flop those ones because I have the diner scene, the restaurant scene as as my number three. I think obviously I enjoy it more. I think <laughs> from our discussion, I think the fact that he's not pretending to be an ostrich does not hurt my uh, entertainment quality at all from this scene. I do like the you know again the quick dialogue, the back and forth when they're doing the ordering. It it's always been very memorable for me. But when I think of what could potentially be a winner for this movie it's neither one of those two scenes they're both enjoyable yeah. they both have their moments obviously we both love Kronk I, I, I like I like seeing his turn into you know into the quote-unquote good guy or you know no longer being evil towards the end like it's all it's all good stuff but neither one are when I think of this movie what I'm looking to watch yeah agreed I think they're they're both plus scenes they they add a lot to the overall quality of the movie but they're not ones that linger with you much. You're not mm-hmm. thinking about them the next day. You're not humming any parts of it to yourself the next day or the next week or, and so on. And that's really what's going to end up performing well in a, in a head-to-head sizzle battle between yep. different movies is how iconic is it in addition to it being a very funny or good scene. And if you don't remember it after you've seen it, that's a bad sign for that scene and it's, and it's staying power. Um, so we can, I think, discard those two. And we now have two left and let's, let's get a, 
opinions on both these scenes before we reveal where we have them ordered on our list. Mm -hmm. Um, The two remaining are the opening scene with the song, in -hmm. addition to some exposition on uh, Cusco. And then we have the dinner scene, which is a long scene. I think of the the four, the two that we're putting at the top are probably the longest two of the Mm -hmm. scenes. Sure. Uh, and the dinner scene, you have a lot of plot. I mean, it's basically the plot of the movie is that dinner scene where they're yes. trying to, to kill Cusco. Um, Kronk mixes up the poison incorrectly. And then you have a hijink couple of minutes where you have just some ambiguity as to what's going on. You have some humor with Kronk and with Yzma. And then you get the llama transformation, which is mm-hmm. obviously an iconic part of this movie. You get the broccoli. A lot of this fun ways of, of of handling this this experience that sets off the rest of the movie um both of them are i think are very memorable the opening scene is a great song regardless mm-hmm. of how well they they give the exposition of cusco the tom jones inclusion i thought was a home run i thought he did a great job the little um animated version of him i thought was super creative and fun <laughs> Lots of that that scene to me uh, might be from what I recall from my initial watch. This one didn't didn't hit me as much as the dinner scene, and and that's not necessarily because I liked it more. I think I, I think I the issue I'm having it's a dichotomy in my mind right now because I like <laughs> on on the rewatch I like the opening scene more, mm. and then on the dinner scene I remembered that more for sure. Mm. What what's your take on the two? Yeah, I, I'm intrigued to see where you end up uh, rating those two features. You know, the enjoyment versus the nostalgia kind of kind of idea on that one. For me, there's a few things. First, um, yeah, I, I love Tom Jones as as the opening singer. I, t- I for some reason I always get him and uh, and Wayne Newton kind of mixed up, so I wasn't quite certain which one <laughs> was was singing this. But I, I'm I enjoy sure you're both. not the only one. <laughs> You know, again, it, it was, you know, it was kind of like a, it was a, a different song um, that again, had a little, had a little dance number to it. You know, it had, it had some fun lyrics to it, very memorable lyrics as, as anybody who just listened to that clip should hopefully remember. Um, and then, you know, then you get to the diner scene or not the, not the diner scene, the, the, the dinner scene, apologies. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. And that one again is really a three minute chunk where the majority of the plot for this movie is happening, right? That's, you know, right before the, you know, the scene starts where they actually have dinner is where you get Yzma's plan and you know, mm-hmm. you know, why she's doing what she's trying to do right after you get, you know, Kronk doing his escape and, and throw, you know, and losing uh, Cusco, but the dinner itself you know, does have some really important moments and things that, again, I think rewatching this and trying to put myself back into my kid mode, you know, the hitting the broccoli on top of, of you know, hitting the broccoli and saying like, you know, hit him on the head. Yeah. Like yeah. those are kind of things which, you know, you, you can say like posterizer as far as quotes, but when you have a scene that has so many of those kinds of moments, it really does start stacking up um, and adding and adding to a bigger thing than, you know, kind of the sum of its components. Yeah, it really goes to show that when you're dealing with big iconic moments of the of the plot and you're able to land humor, originality, all those other aspects to the scene, it really sets you up for a good movie. Because you, if you're mm-hmm. going to handle any scene well, those are the ones you need to be 
really focusing on. And that's why when we look at the overall grade of Emperor's New Groove, it's it's fairly high. It's because of the scissor reel, mm-hmm. the, these scenes that are plot relevant, which of, of, of which there's not tons, because it's a pretty short movie and a pretty small plot. They hit it. They hit it well. The exposition is hammered out of the park on the opening scene. And then the impetus for Cusco becoming a llama is nailed in the, in the dinner scene. So really two highly um, competitive mm-hmm. scenes from this movie and ones that might be neck and neck for me in terms of, of my priority. So l- let's start with your number one, which will thus sure. we can infer what number two is. And then uh, we'll all go ahead and, and chime in as if we got a, <laughs> a undisputed winner in this category, mm. if, if maybe we need a possession arrow usage here. Yeah. Uh, well, before I, I give kind of my, my overall grade, one other thing I, I don't think I've mentioned before that I, I always really like about that opening scene. I, I think I did mention a little bit in the review is, is how it sets the tone, right? You get, again, mm-hmm. you get a little bit of that fourth wall, you get Cusco kind of doing some exposition right, right to us as the audience. And I think that on this rewatch, I really, you know, I really kind of gathered how it's really a show of, of Cusco's, you know, selfishness and his focus only on himself. And the song kind of really does play along with that same opening where you're getting the fact that, yeah, Cusco only cares about himself. He only wants to tell you his story. And that, you know, again, I think that really does add something to that. Now, that being said, I cannot get past the the dinner scene and just some of the things in there. So that is my vote for number one is the actual wow. potion dinner scene. Wow. I would say an underdog, an underdog coming into this category. <laughs> um, and you're not wrong. You're not wrong talking about I'm the not. opening scene. You're not <laughs> wrong talking about the dinner scene being great and having iconic moments. And it, it truly is tough for me to look past how much I enjoyed the opening scene and that song mm. stuck with me. I was humming it. It's one of the better songs from a Disney movie. And I, and I, and the issue I have with picking it is I didn't remember it at all. And it was like mm. watching it for the first time again, when I rewatched it. And I don't know if it's because it opens the movie and that's you're more likely to forget it by the time the movie ends. And they do end in another closing song. That's kind of similar, but different. Mm-hmm. Um, so I can see why and the reasons why it kind of gets lost um, through the test of time a bit. And for that reason, I have to agree. I think my pick for this category is the dinner scene. It, it's too much going on, too iconic of a of a scene to ignore, even though I didn't like it as much in a rewatch in terms of its comparison to, to, to that other scene. But it's the more iconic scene. It's got more plot in it. It's got all the characters that we love, which the first scene doesn't. I think we have to go diner scene as our winner of this is a real. Yeah. And, uh, and with that ding in the background, it means one of two things. We have ourselves a winner or our spinach puffs are done. I'm hoping for spinach puffs. I'm, I'm, <laughs> it's that time of day for me. <laughs> I need, Papa needs a spinach. <laughs> your nominees for posterizer. Throwing off the Emperor's Groove. Oh, yeah. No! You threw off my groove! I'm sorry, but you've thrown off the Emperor's Groove. Sorry! 
No touchy. Whoa, no touchy. No touchy. No touch. Wrong lever. Pull the lever, crunk. Wrong lever! Why do we even have that lever? Okay, why does she even have that lever? Smashing it with a hammer. Oh, I know. I'll turn him into a flea. A harmless little flea. And then I'll put that flea in a box. And then I'll put that box inside of another box. And then I'll nail that box to myself. And when it arrives, I'll smash it with a hammer. Ninja Kronk. Oh, he's doing his own theme music? Kronk's Confession Cusco is dead, right? Tell me Cusco's dead. I need to hear these words. How do you need to hear all those words exactly? He's still alive! Well, he's not as dead as we would have hoped. I'm a llama again. Hey, I'm a llama again! Wait. Kitten Yzma. Is that my voice? Is that my voice? Last time, we did not order a giant trampoline. You know, pal, you could have told me that before I set it up. <laughs> I win. What a batch of nominees for posterizer. That was eight? By my count, by my, I mean, we've established this is not a math-based podcast. <laughs> that is a hefty number of posterizers for one movie. That is truly you know, overflowing. That's it's setting us up for for a pr- dangerous precedent with how many entries we allowed into this category. And we left off. And that, that's not to say that's all. There's more in this yeah. movie that have been left off. It's just that kind of quippiness of of one-liners being delivered throughout the entirety of the movie that I'm sure there's a handful of people listening that's just like, how is my favorite line not a part of this? Mm -hmm. It's tough. It's a lot of competition to discuss. We have eight that we're going to be debating between, but what's your take on just the initial impressiveness of the quantity of posterizers here? Again, yeah, when when it, when it for me when it comes to a posterizer, it really is that that lingering thing that you know, what is the thing that you want to that, that is in your head that you can't get out? What are the things that you want that you want to use as inside jokes for with your with your friends? You know, especially for something like this, which is an animated kids movie, it kind of is a little bit designed to have some of those earworms, those fun ways of saying certain phrases that are catchy, um, you know, interesting characters in the in the the voices, the voice cast all have kind mm-hmm. of interesting voices, very different from each other. And I think that goes a long way that also of the eight, I mean, really there's only one major character that we have not included anything from so far. Yeah, I mean, um, Pacha, <laughs> I, I, I feel bad because like, this is the second time I've kind of trashed on Goodman's role in a movie. <laughs> and it's like, I'm, this is not a good role. It's not, it's not his fault. It's just, mm. there's not much meat on the bone of Pacha. Although there's a lot of meat on his, cartoon bones there's not much of substance uh but 
Yeah. I mean, there's this three characters are responsible for all of these lines. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, and they're great. And we're going to get into a couple here. So we'll start because this is a big category. Um, let's talk about some of the ones that we like, but maybe weren't in that upper echelon of potential winners. Just kind mm-hmm. of ones that got a, a nomination because they were too good to leave off. Um, I'll start with my bottom two. So coming in at eight and number seven for me. Um, for eight, I have Llama again. And this is not not to knock too much on that line because it is a funny line when he mm-hmm. is taking all those potions, attempting to turn back into uh, his human form. He transitions to a bunch of other animals and eventually goes and turns himself back into a llama. And he's like celebrating that. Like, I'm a llama again, realizing <laughs> that, oh, he doesn't want to be a llama. It's funny. But like we talked about in the review, there's so many llama jokes that you could mm-hmm. really replace llama again with demon llama, bad llama. Oh, I'm a llama. And there's just too many llama <laughs> stuff to separate. So, I mean, that's really why I have to leave it off of the true contender list. Um, after that, I have threw off the emperor's groove okay. as my number seven. It's a part of that whole first opening scene. It's when he throws the old guy out the window. It's definitely a fun joke, but not, not enough. It's not something I would ever think of again after seeing this movie, other than it's being a funny aside that's happening during that song. Um, sure. Deserves to be here. It's very funny, but not a true contender for me. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, you know, I don't disagree with either one of those two. Both of them were in my bottom four. So I, I'm perfectly fine cutting those off. Um, I, I agree. Now, what would you have thought instead of if it was llama again, what if he had just said, I'm a generic animal again, would that have been okay with you? Is that, does that work with your <laughs> very specific animal needs? It would work in terms of, <laughs> of not having entering a plot issue with, the sanity of the world building, but it's fine. We were not on the foul section yet, so we don't need to get too much into that conversation. So the other, so the other ones that I would, that I had my bottom, right. The ones I think I still think are very quality would probably go against a lot of other movies, posterizers, but I have essentially Yzma as a cat. Again, a lot of mm-hmm. it is just built around the voice, right? It's the, the squeaky voice and the incredibly cute cat that Yzma turns into. But it's it's a very short-lived thing. And for me, it does kind of rankle when no one else has their voice change except for her as a yeah. cat. So it is a bit odd. And then the other one that I had as kind of my lowest one, which, again, now we have to start making deep cuts because, for me, there's, there's five in here that are really hard for me to separate. But I would put in the... Um, the running ja- uh, running gag of the wrong lever as my mm-hmm. kind of bottom fourth. Again, yeah. fun. I-, I enjoy the alligator as the as the guard dog essentially. Right, we talked about that a little bit. I, I like that it happens twice you know really quickly so that again it's it's you if you're paying attention you get what's happening um it you know that kind of goes along with the roller coaster aspect of the of the secret lab which is again as a kid real fun right you always imagine those kinds of things of oh i hit this lever yeah and i it turns into a roller coaster and then you know i'm automatically changed into my lab suit um good stuff uh just i wouldn't consider it to be the top tier for this for this category yeah funny joke not iconic uh, so that leaves us with with four. Um, mm-hmm. I have a pretty strong top, uh, maybe top two. And now that I'm looking at it again, probably top two, even though I, I do like the third one a lot. But I have one that's not so high on my list that I'm willing to cut dry right here. Um, I'll say not as dead as we hoped. Uh, I like, I like where your head's here. at. 
that yeah, would also be my my four again strong i like to i want to hear your thoughts on it but yeah d- definitely below the other three in my opinion yeah and and this one it's got a lot going for it in terms of it's another part of the movie that's kind of progressing the plot where we're, we're now mm-hmm. getting to a point where isma's learning that Cusco is not dead after she thought Kronk had disposed of the body. And mm-hmm. you're really getting into that awesome dynamic of Kronk being this like lovable buffoon who can't get anything right. And still is, you know, Isma's go-to guy and you're getting that like <laughs> dynamic of them continuing to flourish. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, it's definitely memorable on a rewatch. It was something I remembered from first viewing and, and enjoyed again. So that that's an easy way of getting onto this list, but yeah, it's, it's another one of those things where if you say that to someone who hasn't seen this movie super recently, they probably wouldn't be able to place it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. But what, what's your take on that scene? Then maybe give us an intro into your takes of the top three. Yeah. So again, yeah, I, I'm a fan of that. I think that, you know, to kind of your point of potentially Kronk is uh, Yzma's side piece, you get a little bit of flirtiness, mm-hmm. a little kind of in that you one. You get that sexual tension, just, you know, it's like know man in the tension. flames a little bit, a little bit of a flame. <laughs> Why else would she keep, would she put up with all this? I mean, he's clearly awful at his henchman job, but he's lovable. He's got yeah. a lot of personality. He's got a great body. I mean, there's all these things that maybe Yzma's like, all right, I'll keep you around. I mean, he speaks multiple languages, probably good with the tongue. You know I mean? Hey, I don't. <laughs> All right. You're saying it, not me. You're saying it, not me. Um, but yeah, yeah, def- definitely. Uh, I would say not, not in the top three. So that, that leaves the, you know, the top three. So in kind of no particular order, just kind of basically how they are presented in the movie. We have no touchy again, a, a runner along the movie. Uh, again, a lot of it is just the way that David Spade says it. It comes back a few different times. First, when he's talking to Kronk, just don't touch the emperor. Mm-hmm. Then you get a little bit about the don't touch the llama kind of idea. So it very fits funny. with this whole vibe. It's a, it's you would, it makes sense for Cusco to not want peasants to touch him because he doesn't <laughs> see them as like equals. And sure. it's just, it's, in addition to it being it funny, it being funny, it, it does play in with his whole vibe as a character. And it, it, it's a strong way because it happens very early on. And also is mm-hmm. bookended near the end of the movie. Um, yeah, it's it's super relevant to his character. And it, it comes up very early. It's the first of these three posterizes mm-hmm. to happen. Um, but yeah, very good takes on that. Yeah. And then uh, then you would have the next one on my list. You have, uh, you know, smashing it with a hammer. So basically you have kind of Yzma's plan. Right. And for me, one of the things that really jumps out is that this is one of the few that I feel has a both a visual and an audio component to the joke. Right. You have actually Yzma. You see kind of her plan of turning Cusco into a into a, a flea, you know, all that, right? So you have a little bit of dual components, which I think does help make it a little bit differentiate from just the more audio clip components. Um, mm-hmm. Your thoughts? That's true. I mean, it, it definitely it, the joke is aided with the quick animation of what she's saying happening, of them making Kuzma Cusco uh, into a flea, putting the flea in a box, shipping the, like, all that stuff is being mm-hmm. overlaid with an actual animation of it. And you see the comical hammer smashing. It's just all of that is added into the comedy of it. So it might not translate as well, just the audio of it. Um, but when we're talking about the iconicness again, I think we'll get into this when we were talking about MVP and six man. I don't know if I think a line said by Isma deserves to be, 
the posterizer. That may be my, the, my biggest issue with it, even though I think it rivals the other two posterizers for its content and humor. Hmm. I just don't know if she's the most iconic part of the movie, and it might be hard to sell the not most iconic character saying the most iconic thing. So a little bit of an issue for me when it comes to its competitiveness against the other top two in the bracket. It definitely belongs here and it's not, it's got a puncher's shot for me. I can hear an argument to where it's the best one, but I'm seeing mission impossible scene right after this, where we have Kronk doing his own little heist kind of, overlay of, of 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 running down the stairs and seeing the mm-hmm. the people spotting him and humming along the wall i mean mm-hmm. that in addition to it being hilarious and I, and I love every joke that's been related to that since because it's been parodied a bunch i feel like Kronk is an acceptable choice from this movie because of how iconic that character has become so even though it's not the lead saying it I think it can go hand in hand and, and really fight alongside no touchy for winning this award. Um, but that's what I have as my top two. What about you? Okay. Well, you know, I, I think, I think your point is interesting when it comes to who says a line and does that matter when it comes to a posterizer? And for me, I would say I disagree with your arguments almost completely. I think when I think of, the most memorable lines in posterizers from things, I they're almost, I mean, I guess I, I'm going to make a very bold generalization, but say that they're almost always coming from the non-main character, right? You think of Jaws, who's the, what's the main, you know, posterizer you think of? I think of Quint. I think of the, you know, the, the shark scene, you know, you think of Star Wars, right? You think of, you know, Luke, I am your father, right? Maybe a very iconic bad guy in Darth Vader, but definitely not the lead of the series. And so I don't necessarily think that someone has to be the lead or even potentially MVP to be able to win when it comes to best line. Now, that being said, I would agree. I would say that we're, we're down to the we're down to the top two. I think smashing it with a hammer and Kronk's Mission Impossible scene are the clear highlights when it comes to posterizer for me. And it sounds like we're a little bit on different sides. So let, let me see if you know. Give me thirty seconds. Give me your best argument for Mission Impossible, and I'll give you mine for Smash because I think that yeah. we have them opposite one and two. Well, just to respond to the. Secondary and side characters can't be the main posterizer. I think they definitely can be when that line Mm -hmm. is head and shoulders above other lines in that movie. In this particular instance, I feel like we have three pretty equal quality lines. For me, the differentiating factor of getting rid of that one is that the characters involved, I think, push those two scenes above the smash it with a hammer scene. Uh, It's not necessarily a rule that I have that the main character needs to say the posterizer, but as a way of filtering between pretty similar quality lines. That's just mm-hmm. what I'm using as a, as a determining factor of getting rid of that one in third. Um, but on to the, the final two, no touchy is the most iconic for me that that's Ooh. what I think of when I think of Cusco. That's what I think of when I think of the humor of the movie. It's, it's that it's the okay. childlike nature of all the characters. It's the the quick quibs going back and forth it's fun. It's not harmful. No one's being hurt with the line. It's just, and it's something I can't remember of another character saying similarly to Cusco, mm-hmm. easily attributable to him, which is a main, it's a big factor in these 
deliberations for me is how iconic is it in the movie and how iconic is it in popular culture? It checks both those boxes for me. Mission Impossible, there's something about the humor of that scene that I can't compare to any other cartoon movie I've seen. It's so elevated in terms of its ambitiousness. I don't think there's any other character I can think of that could have pulled that off as well as Kronk did. And it mm-hmm. really is just one voice actor humming, which is maybe the yeah. hardest part to say that wins and this is a real, but it's so good. It's so funny. It's so immediately identifiable. I have to pick it. That, that's what I have mm. at number one. I have Mission Impossible, Kronk. Okay. Uh, that, that it's hard for me to argue with because when I, you know, again, when we, when we were doing our initial selection and we're saying, Oh, Hey, we're going to watch Emperor's new groove, right? One of the first things that, that comes to mind is back up against a wall. The, uh, of course it, it, it is iconic, but for me, I'll write alongside that, like legit, like same moment. I think of that. I think mm-hmm. of Yzma, her plan and smashing it with a hammer. And that to me is, because it actually has words, like I know I, it's, it sounds stupid, but because it actually has words, it's easier for me to help other people identify. Like it's easier when you say that for other people to go, oh, I know what movie you're referencing. Whereas if you just go, uh, if you combine it, though, with the with his <laughs> movements, I sure, think sure. You, you can argue that the animation of that scene is hand in hand with how good the voice acting is of it. It's just there's something about the whole togetherness of, of, of that combination that, that really makes it iconic to this movie. But I see what you're saying. It's not, mm. no one's really going to their, their friends and acting that, that out as easily as, <laughs> as just the no touchy thing. So I, I understand completely what you're saying. Yeah. Uh, and again, there, 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 there is just something about the way that that scene is animated where you, you know, again, it has, enough levity to where you don't think of it as just purely man, you know um malevolent maleficent wow uh um, malevolent there we go, there go. There uh yeah pronunciation guys pronunciation <laughs> <laughs> uh it's not purely malevolent right you, you know you don't have just pure like something you know again i think one of the things about disney villains is sometimes that they do truly come off as like very evil and scary and i yeah. think that that is a part of this movie's charm is that as bad as Yzma is, right? She essentially is kind of like a, a souped up Cruella de Vil a little bit where instead of wanting <laughs> animal pelts, she wants control of the empire. Right. Sure. But you don't, you know, the way that this scene is, you get that she is dangerous, that she obviously wants to kill Cusco, but it's done in such a fun manner that I think that it is the most iconic thing for me in terms of a posterizer. And that's where my vote is. So it sounds like we have a pretty clear difference in terms of where our number ones and number twos are. And I don't know if either one of us is really going to be able to convince each other. So as much as I don't want to have to use it, I do believe I'm going to have to use my possession arrow and call it. And your and so your final, your double vote is going for which again? Smash it with a hammer! Wow, wow, wow! A third place on my on my finishing ranking here. You're dragging that guy all the way up to number one. There is no accounting for taste. I'll tell you again. Ooh, that's an egregious <laughs> use of the possession arrow. I will point that out. We had two top nominees we could have chose from, and you went off off script with the third. 
That's, that's I chose my number one just because you had it as your number three. I had no touchy as my number three. So all of them added up equal two. No touchy number three. Get out of here with that (laughs) business. This is what, this is what we're talking about. This is we're we're going to have bloodshed when it comes to who's going to be representing each part of this movie. And, we're going to have to see how well Smash It With A Hammer fares against Castaway. Make a note, put asterisks on it. It's it's not a, a <laughs> deliberation that ended amicably. This is under protest, but we do need to move on to our next category. Are we, are we any last thoughts to wrap this up? Or are we ready to move on? Uh, no, last thoughts would just be, you're welcome, everyone. We have the right posterizer in. I think this is going to do some damage. And yeah, let's, let's move on. The only sad thing is the arrow is now in the wrong possession. Yeah, That's the only much thing safer hands. About. I will protect it and I will not, I will not, <laughs> I will not betray its honor like this, like mm-hmm. it's been sullied right now. So I'm glad at least we can take that as a silver lining to this. The possession arrow is in safer hands. And your foul nominees are Bucky the Squirrel. Looney Tune Physics. I don't know about you, but I'm getting all funned out. Uh oh. Don't tell me. We're about to go over a huge waterfall. Yep. Sharp rocks at the bottom? Most likely. Bring it on. Booyah! Dad, look out! Tipo, what is it? I had a dream that Dad was tied to a log and was careening out of control down a raging river of death. All right, all right, it's okay. It was awful. It's okay, it's okay, Tipo. Calm down, it was just a dream. Your dad's fine. He just went back to see the Emperor. Oh, like you told him to, because you're always right. That's right. Well, in my dream, Dad had to kiss a llama. Yeah, like that would ever happen. It could. Nuh-uh. Yeah-ha. Uh-uh. Yeah-ha. Nuh-uh. Yeah-ha. Good night, you two. Night, Mom. Cusco cross-dressing. Where are you going? I'm just going to slip into the kitchen and have a word with the chef. You're going to get us thrown out. Please, with this disguise, I'm invisible. All right. So quite an interesting collection of fouls here, uh, some of which were not agreed by all of the MGs. It's a foul. So I think it's we'll... <laughs> blown, regardless of who holds the whistle, it's still a foul. Uh, yeah, I guess that that is that is the true way that fouls are <laughs> that work. They don't all have to agree upon the foul when it's called. Yeah, this is um, this is like after the game where we have a ref review. It's basically yeah. what we're doing. We're making sure that our that our algorithms in place. We aren't getting too happy. We aren't letting things slide too much. Keeping ourselves in check here. And I, and I think if memory serves me correct, and I'll have to go back to the, the game, the game uh, t- tape and check this out. But I'm pretty sure I only really called two fouls. So I think I have the two that I would consider to be the top two just by default. So that makes, I think you know, I'll turn it over to you to the two that I think you called by yourself were uh, the opening of the diner scene and uh, Bucky the squirrel. So if you want to talk about one of those two as the one that you not necessarily will reverse, I'm not going to make you go that far, but at least say doesn't qualify for the top foul. 
Well, I mean, that's and they they're fouls. They're clearly fouls. Incorrect. Both of them. So when when we're looking at the diner aspects, and and we did only include the cross dressing element of the beginning of the diner scene, but there is some egregiousness going on in <laughs> world building logic that's happening from top to bottom on that scene. When we're going with the no llama sign, we got the cross dressing Cusco. And then we got the grabby guy at the counter who's kind of like catcalling Cusco as he's walking to the to the diner. All, All fouls those, to him. Those are three fouls. And like, when you're talking about the culminating effect of fouls in a scene, I think it's important to 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 mention that, you know, we can't let that slide. Three things going that are that are going wrong in one scene that could have been easily diverted to a less problematic area, fouling it. The other one. Bucky the Squirrel. This is more of just like, it's a smaller one for me. It wasn't like I was taken out of the movie, but I just didn't enjoy when he grabs the pin, blows up the balloon, mm-hmm. uses clearly a non-squeaky Mick Squeakerson voice identifying what the pin is, which we highlighted in the clip. That's a foul. It's not as big of a foul. So I'm going to drop Bucky the Squirrel as the number four foul of the movie. Interesting. And see, here's where I was actually going to give you some props is that I did not catch the non squeaky talking. The you can first still time give around. me props. What do you mean you were going to give me props? I know. Well, you, you called that one as your non foul. And I would say, I actually would say that that is one I would call a foul on myself for not calling during the game is absolutely. When you go back and watch the tape, you listen to, to Bucky talk with the balloon very clearly is trying to communicate with with Cusco as a llama there. You can, again, not quite saying words, but definitely not squeaks. Yeah. Um, you know, so now again, you, you can make that as an argument that, well, maybe animals have a little bit, they can communicate yeah. with each other, but that's not what we're getting at here. Um, I do not agree at all with the, with the diner foul as called again. Cross-dressing is always it's a touchy subject and it's, it's, is there a good reason for why it's happening? Not necessarily. Could they have just said again that he was someone else? Sure. But to me, the other two fouls that have been called when it comes to just the general Looney Tune physics and the kids being precogs greatly outweigh the other two fouls. Well, yeah. And I think it's, uh, I, when I pointed out the precog nature of the kids, I think that that to me, speaks to a larger issue with them willing to prioritize jokes over continuity and purpose. Mm -hmm. And I felt like that was a, a way of bringing home to the audience, the fact that these kids would be devastated if Pacha doesn't come home. And if they Mm -hmm. lose their house, like just like they're trying to bring in some of that element to what's going on outside of the Pacha family environment which I can respect. I just hate the way they did it. And I don't like the kids, which is also (laughs) to me, it's a, it's another buildup foul where like, I don't like what they're doing in that scene because it's egregious. And I don't like them because they're throwaway character archetypes. And I wish there were, they were handled better to make me care more about the Pacha element, but none of it, none of it added up for me. And I do think that, belongs in the higher tier of foul than some poor choice of character 
cross-dressing and <laughs> in that diner not really making sense with blocking just llamas from entering and, and then the cat calling guy. Those are bad elements to a scene, but not as indicative of an overall mistake like or missed opportunity like they had with the kids. That could have been a fun part of the movie if they had a fun Sure. Like if Pacha had a fun family that we were excited about visiting every time that they had time on the screen, it, it didn't end up that way. And it was, it was forgettable the whole time they were there. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think if I'm going to have to summarize your opinions, according to math, kids are fouls. So good. Not all of them. Those <laughs> ones. Those ones. For, uh, I, and I would did support the kid Mo brother. I thought that was a good kid. These are bad kids. A little older, a little older. You like, well, you like, you like, you don't know they're real. What are they? Five, five in this and <laughs> in, in emperors, like five, four or five. I mean, they're so small. They could be anywhere from a year to, to eight. Like who knows how mal, malnutrition yeah. those ones are. Well, that brings us to the other potential most egregious foul Looney Tunes logic. When we combine both the physical stature of all these characters, I can, I can excuse a little bit of that because it's comical in nature what they're, how they're building the, the mm-hmm. general physicality of these cartoons, but the way in which they transitioned and continued to rely upon action as a, mm-hmm. as a way of inciting these scenes a bit felt completely flat because there was never any perceived danger going on in this world. No one was ever going to fall and get injured or, or lose time. Everything was easily plot fixed. There was a plot device that could fix any sort of physical danger these characters were in. And that just made yeah. a lot of the the more potentially um, gripping parts of the movie just fade away as filler. Yeah. Yeah. I, for me, one of, one of the things that, that I always have to kind of put into my mind is this is not just a comedy, but it's an animated comedy meant for kids. So you do have to at least somewhat suspend your disbelief about certain things. Like is Pacha ever going to be able to actually hang from a vine? No. Like, <laughs> like I can't do it. Pacha can't do it. Dangle for hundreds of feet <laughs> back and forth when there's, I mean, this is so much of this. It's like, how is this even possible and what realm of existence mm-hmm. could you swing a 400 pound man from a single vine I'm a, <laughs> hanging from a tree that we have no idea where it orients from it's just so many weird aspects that yeah you can't even name them all there's so many yeah yeah so you know so that one i think gets put on a shelf a little bit by itself and you have to just basically make the argument of are you going to be able to discount some of those crazy things in a movie that has potions that turn people into animals? And, you know, it has incredibly small children compared to their, who their dad's, what their dad's size is, right? You have, like, there's just a lot of those different things that you have to be able to just go with, or I, I don't know how well you're actually going to be able to enjoy the movie. So for yeah. me, it becomes not necessarily a foul. I mean, again, I, I don't think that we called the foul an error, but it's more of this is the rule of the game, right? The game that you are now going to sit and watch includes Looney Tune logic. It's like you're what you're mm-hmm. playing Space Jam or watching Space Jam. You're going to get crazy arms that just expand the entire length of the floor. You have to accept it because that's the kind of movie it's telling. 
So for me, my number one error, this again, I think is going to be a pretty dominant uh, thing for me when I'm watching movies is I am not a fan of prophecies that do not have any sort of stake in the movie. And for me, detract it from what it's trying to do. And that 45 second scene with the kids was just a waste of space. The only thing that's somewhat memorable is just the two of them bickering the, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. And that could have just been anything, but yeah, the, the precog abilities of these kids needs to be made into money. Like they need to no longer be living on that hilltop. <laughs> they need to be winning whatever the ink version of the lottery is with that kind of, of skill. Yeah. And, and really, I think we're, we're going to ultimately be in agreement on this uh, with, the Looney Tunes logic, it's something that I factored in with my overall grade. It made me enjoy the movie less because there was mm. about 20 to 25 minutes of the movie that was not suspenseful when suspense is what those scenes called for. And it mm. wasn't able to get me to feel that because of the wackiness, the 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 literally no downside to any of the or no negatives to having to go through these trials it was just yeah really didn't result in anything which is just not a great choice but it's not as egregious as including mm-hmm. something like precog children when there's no <laughs> need there's no need to to have that be an element that's going on and make me think of in the background of this movie is we have these like future telling kids back at Pacha's place. And that's way more entertaining. If we could have had them utilize they're they're along on the trip and they, every time they go to sleep, they can like picture where Yzma and Kronk are. And now we have like a, a, an additional element of danger. We have to keep these kids safe. Like if you're going to make that decision to make the kids have that ability, or at least the idea of them being able to sense danger that at least make it a part of the movie. So it has some cohesive element plot worthy, device that we can talk about but they just didn't do anything but they did nothing with the kids the more the more that i think about this like what are you what are you think the odds of are these kids being mutants because not only can they potentially see the future not see the future but see the past you know from their dad's point of view but later on we also see that they apparently can teleport or they're just the fastest kids in the world because they're able to tar and feather easily as she's falling down the hill so like they're good at they're like nightcrawler as well yeah, it's it just it goes to sh- it's indicative of the lack of care given to Pacha's family. It was such a throwaway part of the movie that my my most egregious fell has to go to that family, and it's going to the two most egregious members of the family, the two children. They're the most egregious foul. I think we're in agreement on this one. No need for possession arrow. Nope. I just I my only question is I wonder if they saw that coming. They probably did, and it's well deserved. And I I don't think they'd have any issues with it because you know. They're the fouls. You know. They're the most egregious. You know, children know. Children because they know. It's already not worthy. So it even decided they know they can't fix fate. <laughs> can't fix fate. There's not a third one of them. For good reason. We stopped ooh, at ooh, two, ooh, and two is too many. Oh, now there is though. At the end of the movie, there's three. Now they'll truly be a precog trilogy. You know. Your MVP candidates are David Spade as Emperor Cusco, Eartha Kitt as Yzma, Patrick Warburton as Kronk. Boom, baby. 
We got three excellent MVP candidates brought to you by Emperor's New Groove. We, I don't know where this is going to go. I don't think I have a favorite. I don't think I have a least favorite. I just have favorites that I, that I (laughs) want to each of them. What's your, what's your mindset coming? I'm I'm open to, to, if you want to eliminate somebody, I can see that. Or if you just want to, debate the three the merit of the three and just pick a winner from them yeah i think this is one i just i have to explain my thoughts and obviously everyone has to have an opinion i have who i would put ahead of the other two but this truly is right when you think about sophie's choice and having to choose between people this is choosing between kids and i would much rather choose these three over either one of pacha's kids definitely obviously yeah (laughs) Uh, so I think for, for the, the first thing for me is this was a hard discussion of just who's an MVP versus six man, you know, and That's in terms true. of just pure amount of time on the screen, what, you know, what does it mean to be an MVP? Do you have to be the lead character? Does it mean that you know, you're the most memorable thing from the movie? What exactly does MVP mean? And, and the other movies that we've done so far, it's been a little more clear, clear cut as to what we're looking at for MVP. So, for, for me, I think all three of them are superbly voice acted, right? When I think of Cusco, I think David Spade. He, he has such a good, not whiny, but very... Snobby, petulant. Yes, yes. Just like yes. An, yeah, just has that aura of eliteness about him. Yes. It, the one thing that I will say that somewhat detracted me from the from the vocals from Cusco's point of view this time around was I felt that at times there was a little bit too much leaning into David Spade as an SNL character like there were times where I almost felt like he was going to say bye bye now like as someone was leaving the, <laughs> the airport yeah, so this feel like that, a version of no touchy yes yes that that specifically the no touchies sometimes the bad llamas um there there were just times where it's like ah this isn't completely original i've heard david spade do things like this so that that would be somewhat of a detractor next up you have yzma for my money one of the more memorable <laughs> weird weird way of saying it but more of the one of the more memorable lesser known disney villains right she's not like she's yeah. not ursula she's not scar she's not like top tier you know disney villains but when i think of these kinds of not direct to video but lesser known movies this is a kind of villain that is very memorable love eartha kitt's voice her delivery obviously she won my posterizer her look award. is iconic very iconic look um whether or not you want to say she potentially could be the first first cougar in uh in in disney canon i don't know that's up i to wouldn't you. say the you... first but i think she's of the, of the class of cougar villains interesting i would like to get your thoughts on what other villains you think might be uh having we'll a little see if they're action. nominated for for this bracket we don't we don't have time to discuss non-nominees we have we have work to be done uh yeah so I think again that that that's a big one for me. Isma has some real quality lines. She's she she plays a huge role in this movie. And then last, you know, but certainly not least, you have Kronk, who you know you want to talk about what what it means to be an MVP. Well, which one of the three has a sequel? 
you know, it, it's Kronk, right? That, that's, again, that's a huge accomplishment to be the henchman in one film and then to basically have your own movie after that. That is a huge accomplishment and a, te- and a testimony a little bit to how good Patrick Warburton is as Kronk. That voice mm-hmm. is iconic, right? You might know him from Seinfeld and, you know, some other things like that. But to me, that voice is Kronk. So that that's kind of my overview on where I'm at. I think this one is going to be a hard one because there's I could be fine with any one of the picks. If you're out there yeah. listening and saying you have one that you definitively know is the best, great. I'm intrigued to hear your thoughts because honestly, you might be able to sway me here. <laughs> Talking to me or the audience? <laughs> I, <laughs> well, I, <laughs> I think for for me, thinking about it and 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 kind of prioritizing iconicness above all else for this category when there's not much that separates how well they performed as a character in this movie was there wasn't Mm. a huge amount of difference between the performances because they were all stellar like a plus type of characters and that Mm. i don't i wouldn't want to see the movie done with any other uh, voice actors for those for those three characters I don't think it's needed. It's that's that good. I feel like they were they were so expertly casted to do what they did, and they all performed admirably, if not above expectations for all three mm-hmm. of them. That being said, I think Isma was just less iconic because of what you brought up with. She's not known as a great villain. She's a great character in this movie and one mm-hmm. that is memorable. She's not on a short list of iconic Disney villains. She's not particularly villainous in this movie. She's not mean really to anyone but Kronk and Cusco. I think you could easily argue Cusco's the worst ruler of the two even. So, I mean, there's a lot of this like up in the air in terms of how bad she really is. Mm -hmm. And not that that makes her character less fun, it just, for me, puts her in the back seat as to who won this movie a little bit. I don't think she had as much fun of a character to kind of lean into as Cusco and Kronk were. Okay. So I do think I would eliminate her first and debate between these last two. What do you think about that? Well, one of the things that I, I would throw in there as... Another way of saying is someone is iconic is how often is their name mispronounced? And you've mispronounced both Yzma and Cusco during our initial uh, review <laughs> episode. So that right there, I think, goes to the fact that Kronk is the most memorable. He, you, you know his name. And I think if we're going to eliminate Yzma, who probably would be my real close to number two, then I think for me, my, my vote for MVP of this movie is Kronk. Wow. Uh, it's just, it's just, I think if it was between Kronk and Kuko. Which it is. And you have the possession arrow. So you got double points here, bud. Well, I mean, if it left to my own device, if I'm looking at my own rankings here, I have Cusco as number one, A, and Kronk as one B. <laughs> I think. Spade needs to be acknowledged for how well he did this character and how hard it is to be a sarcastic, 
lead character and mm-hmm. have your sidekick be the straight man. It's not how this is this buddy dynamic is typically done. And he had the lead scenes where his number two was like watching paint dry. When you're looking <laughs> at Pacha as a character, it was just nothing going on. But mm-hmm. Spade was able to carry their scenes together with his his acting, his style, his creativity, his personality, all of those things were so much more important to the overall grade of the movie for me that I pick him. Ooh. And I I the reason I'm not going to use my possession arrow oh, ho, ho. is because I love Kronk and I think that there's so little difference between the two of them that I will I will support. I'll put my stamp of approval on Kong. Uh, on, I'm crying as to mispronounce his name. That's a bad sign. It for is a bad Kron- sign. <laughs> for Kronk to represent Emperor's New Groove as MVP. Whew. Uh, okay. I mean, again, I would have loved to see the possession arrow come my way, but I think I'm a little more happy with, with Kronk getting the title uh, as opposed to this being a uh, kind of de- a, a debated uh, category. One thing I will just add as my last kind of comments around, around Cusco is it, it is quite an accomplishment to have a character who is vastly unlikable, but mm-hmm. still likable. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's Spade. It, it, Spade yeah. can do that better than I, than I can, Think of anyone else really being able to do that, especially just his voice. Mm-hmm. It, there's so much character, so many layers to to what he's able to do with his humor that it it's, it translates so well to animated comedy. It, it's it's mm-hmm. it's 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 really commendable that he was able to do such a good job uh, with Cusco. Yeah, and if 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 he wasn't going against one of, if not the best henchmen in in all yeah. films, it, Hench, it would be a slam dunk. Short list for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you know, if you're if you're picking henchman dream list, I think he's got to be. He's definitely a first rounder, if not top tier when it comes to henchmen. The only thing you have to throw for Kronk is he's most likely going to mess up whatever plan you have. But what henchman doesn't, you know? <laughs> and if you're going to mess up a plan, do it in style. Do it with some originality, with some flair, and and be a good cook. Yeah, yeah, you're gonna you're gonna be you're gonna be full, which makes any mistake a little bit easier to handle. <laughs> Words to live by. <laughs> I do. Your candidates for six man are Tom Jones as theme song man, Patty Dooch as waitress, and John Fielder as old man. All right, and we have reached the last category of the day. We are talking about the sixth man. So only a few nominees, I think, of of all the ones outside of MVP, which also only had three. Definitely the shortest category of nominees that we have. Uh, Yeah, let me let me me turn it over to you. Let me let me get your kind of first thoughts on uh, on these three nominees. I mean, we're, we're this is a light slim pickings. For six men. And I think it might be somewhat controversial that we didn't include Kronk in this category instead of including him in MVP. But in the nature of an ensemble like this, mm-hmm. he's too important to be in this category. Yeah. And one of the lighter uh, entries in terms of 
side characters is Emperor's New Groove. <laughs> There's not a ton. And then the ones that are there, we don't like, like Pacha's family. No. <laughs> Bucky the Squirrel, no thanks. There's 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 not a lot to choose from. I have a hands down winner. I don't even really think it's a debate for me. Um, I don't if any if I say anything, I'm going to spoil who I'm going to pick. So let, let's try to get okay. maybe your if you're having a debate, let me hear what you're debating between. It's it, it's a it's a two person debate. I, I again I enjoy the diner scene a lot more than you do. I like that that character. I, I I don't even know what actress that is that voices that, but it's a very like it's a very iconic voice. If like if nothing else, I've definitely heard <laughs> I that definitely voice. Picture a, a yeah. old smoker. <laughs> yes, <laughs> in my mind, I don't know if that's fair to the voice actress, but she does a great job of making me think of an old smoker. I'm going to go with wise instead of elderly, but hey, you, you okay. choose your own words. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, she, she is just a small character, not not anything where I would consider to be a, a big favorite at all for a six-man. So to me, it comes down to Tom Jones, who plays the uh, the theme song singer, and the old man, who I don't theme believe actually guy. gets a... Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think either one of them have a name, which is very indicative of six man. When you don't have a name in the cast, <laughs> that, that you're probably a six man candidate. Yeah, uh, that's fair. Uh, the all of these characters are there just for a joke. Yes. Besides theme song guy, who Tom Jones, in addition to being a fun animated version of Tom Jones just nails both songs he's responsible for and a part of maybe a top sizzle reel candidate that we didn't win for us, but mm-hmm. certainly could have been someone's top sizzle reel candidate <laughs> could have been. He carries that scene. So when you're talking about not necessarily only him, but the song is great performed well without Tom Jones there, maybe it's a lot lower in quality. You mm-hmm. remove elderly guy. You have one less joke. You don't have the diner worker you can Mm -hmm. replace that with a different joke i mean there's really not much they're doing that's iconic or unique besides tom jones i mean it's a winner for me i haven't was one and everyone else not even really on the list uh so unless you really have an argument other than what i've heard i think we can slam the door on this category no, that that was it's clear, clear six man, clearest of all of the awards that we're giving out today. Tom Jones, if nothing else, that without him, we probably would have heard had to hear more of Sting's music at the end, oh, which God. I did not understand how that got into this comedy movie. I'm like, wow, this is depressing. What's going on? Yeah, and it's it's nice to see like a, a Disney or a Pixar movie not rely on Newman as much. <laughs> so like. Cool. Get that's that Tom Jones have have his animated time to shine, and he did a great job. I would love to see him again. Theme mm-hmm. song guy can get a movie, and I'd watch theme song guy. Yeah, I, I, again, it's been even longer since I've seen a Kronk's movie or the TV show, so I don't know if theme songs <laughs> theme guy makes a return or not. But yeah, I, I could definitely deal with a little like lizard loungy performance in my animated movies every once in a while. Oh, yeah, I mean that's that's on my that's on my Christmas list. <laughs> Well, that, that's, uh, that's the end of the of the categories. We have all of our awards dished out. Let's um, let's gather our thoughts here real quick, and we'll come back with the closing ceremony. Sounds good. And just like that, another award ceremony in the books. Emperor's new grooves. 
category winners have been established. Maybe we have some questionable winners. We have some winners that maybe would fly under the radar with others. But I think, at least in terms of holistically, I think it, it stacks up pretty competitively against any movie it would come against. What do you think? Yeah, uh, you know, if, we, if we're going off of just you know, again, flat reviews, this movie is by far the highest one that we've we've done so far. But that's only going to take a movie so far when we're actually doing a head-to-head battle, right? Yes, we we can say that one movie is better than another, but when you then take its components and you're trying to compare those, is Kronk as the MVP of this movie? Is that going to go up well against a winner from a different movie who has the MVP? What about the best scene, right? We have, you know, we have, yeah. uh, we, we were able to agree on the best scene for this one for our sizzle reel, but we did not agree necessarily on the posterizer, as you pointed out. And the biggest, I think, issue with that is I no longer have the possession arrow, but I think we have the right posterizer in there. I think no matter which one we had chosen, I think any one of the top three would there's many movies that would love to have one of those three as their posterizer. So it, it, I think any one of these categories, except for six man, which I think is probably the weakest one from this one has quite has, has a lot of legs to move forward in this competition. Yeah. It's a, it's a impressive performance and it's an early example of a complete ish movie. I mean, there, there mm-hmm. are some aspects that could certainly be improved upon, and it has vulnerabilities, like you were mentioning, with the depth of the cast, the mm-hmm. overall uh, cohesiveness of the plot. When we're talking about unforced errors, it's going to have to speak to those issues against a, a rival movie. But you're, you're looking at a good overall grade. It's got a yep. 73.5 aggregate, which is mm-hmm. a recommendable movie. And it's highly going against, it's not, well, yeah, I'm around that area of a highly recommended movie. Mm-hmm. Um it's going to go against a drama, which is, you know, may not be a good matchup, might be a good matchup. Who knows? That's why we play these games mm-hmm. to see what movie is most bulletproof, what movie is most recommendable or recommendable to someone who maybe not doesn't like that genre or doesn't like movies in general. We're, tr- we're doing the <laughs> Lord's work when it comes to pitting these movies against each other. And first leg of this matchup is, is in the books. We're happy with it. The Emperor's New Groove has had its time to shine. We're ready to move our focus to Castaway. And we have a lot to discuss. We're going to be putting out the scouting report of our pre-rewatch recollections of this movie. What we're going, what baggage we're bringing into our rewatch, what we're expecting, what we're, what we are hoping to see all those thoughts you'll get from us uh, next episode. But, I, I can't imagine a better way to end this episode than to 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 really just reflect on <laughs> what we've seen, what we've done, and uh, really send the Emperor's New Groove off in style uh, and grace that it deserves as the best movie we've watched so far. I mean, if you, if you're if you've listened to these podcasts and you're wondering should I watch any of the movies they're talking about. This is certainly one I will recommend to anybody, regardless of your your familiarity with cartoons or or with David Spade or any of the actors that are in it. It's definitely watchable. It holds up. 
Yes, absolutely agree agree with that thought. Uh, both the two movies that we've seen before this, I personally rated as good movies, but neither one would be things I would recommend to someone just on the street who asked me for about a movie. This one I would. If someone just said, hey, what's a good animated comedy or what's a comedy uh, about the Incan Emperor? You know, <laughs> so, so, We're always so looking many... for so many specific questions I could be asked. Um, yeah, and this is this is going to be interesting. We talk about depth of field. When we talk about its competitor and Castaway, there might not be two movies who have the lowest amount of cast comparatively than mean, those just, two. So just how it shook up. That's how the matches arrange themselves, and yep. it really is like strength against strength when you're looking at the performance aspect of those two movies. They don't have a huge cast. They rely a lot on kind of small plots. So I'm excited to get into that, that matchup. It's going to be one for the ages, I'm sure. Um, but thus ends the award ceremony. Um, we're putting out the torches. The, <laughs> the actors and actresses are leaving the arena. The guests are saying goodbye. They're off to their after parties. Uh, as, bags always, out. <laughs> as always, we are the OMGs and we are watching. And we invite you to watch with us. Until next time, I am Mike. And I'm Math. And don't forget to smash it with a hammer. <laughs>